Hello, friends. Hello. Hi. We and have my, another friend here, too. Wow. Oh. Just jumping, jumping right, right, right into right the in. I'm excited. I always get excited when we have a male guest. Yes. Do you want to say hi, Tom? Hello, and thanks for having me. Thanks for being we're here. glad you're here. <laughs> Tom and I coach softball together, but we're also buddies, too. Yes, we are. He comes to hang. He's no stranger to getting a little rowdy. He can definitely hang with us, which is saying something. <laughs> and also, what's great is that our kids are friends. That always seems to work out well for us, doesn't it, Michelle? It really does. <laughs> so it's nice when they can watch each other. That's right. So that's right. So we can hang out in the backyard and barbecue and drink. That's right. We're that's very right. busy sitting on this deck. Yeah. So. Go entertain each other, please. Right. So we actually intended to do this episode last year at some point. Mm-hmm. with Tom and it didn't work out. And so I'm really glad we're doing this now. Yeah, me too. It's a good topic. It is. And so for those of you who may want to not engage in this particular episode, just a little trigger warning and a spoiler alert. Um, we are talking about the movie Promising Young Woman. If you haven't seen it and want to stop this now, go watch it, then come back. And if you're not sure if you're going to be triggered by this, maybe you should at least go watch the trailer. Yes, I will tell you, we are going to talk a lot about sexual assault and a lot about consent or lack thereof. And if that is a topic for you that is very triggering, then maybe skip this this one out. Yeah, Yeah. skip this one. And our lovely friend Tom is here. um, Representing all males. Yes. (laughs) No, no. We took a vote and (laughs) they nominated me to voice for all of us. Great. No pressure at all. (laughs) Um, I like that you're willing to do this with us because I really want to hear your perspective as a dad of a daughter after watching this, but also your perspective as a guy who was a typical guy's guy, right? Mm -hmm. Like had fun with your buddies, you guys would have drinks, you'd party, hook up with girls, whatever, you know, like the same shit that we did too. It's great to have not just the female voice talking about something like this, particularly this movie, which is so thought provoking. Very. The quick no spoiler blurb for the movie is a young woman traumatized by a tragic event in her past seeks out vengeance against those who crossed her path. Very generic. They should add a whole lot more than that. Well, they don't want to spoil it, right? Well, but like you guys even had a bigger disclaimer in your (laughs) opening than that. It's a fairly graphic movie. Yeah, it's a lot. It's very triggering. I think we should talk about at least the premise of her behavior. Mm -hmm. I guess I'll take a shot at that and then whatever I miss, you guys can... Sure. I did rewatch it last night because I hadn't seen it in the last year. And again, if you have not seen this movie and want to, turn this off now. Go watch and then come back to us. They might still want to watch it even after they listen to it. They might. Maybe it'll make them want to watch it more. Maybe. I'm going to rewatch it after this. Good. Yeah. (laughs) Just re-examine, make sure I'm correct in my assessments. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. The main character in the movie is a girl named Cassie. Played by Carrie Mulligan, who's amazing. She really is. She had a traumatic experience when she was in college involving her best friend. Partying, questionable behavior leading to sexual assault, a sadly common thing. Yeah. So her best friend ends up taking her own life as a result of this incident. And she is so affected not only by the initial trauma, but by the loss of her friend that she decides that she is going to make it sort of her personal mission to get revenge and retaliate against men who behave this way that resulted in her friend's assault which was filmed and you don't even find that part out till later right yeah she basically on the weekends puts on clothes that are very suggestive i'm gonna stop you okay the very first scene of the movie is her in a very modest business suit oh yeah it's not suggestive at all she just there, is very drunk there, seemingly there are other scenes where she's wearing yes suggestive true clothing. true but the very first scene is not that Anyway, she goes to bars and acts very intoxicated, and she's very good at acting that way. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's kind of an invitation for scumbag men who see that she's really drunk, or at least they think she is, and want to take advantage of her to jump in. They say they're going to help her and take care of her, and the first scene of the movie... When this happens, this guy takes her home and he's trying to put a move on her over and over again. And she's not really consenting, but she's doing it in like a way where she's like really drunk. And she's so, almost passed out. I mean, yeah. not really. She's acting yeah. like right. she's almost passed so out. So he's just totally taking advantage. Yeah. Definitely assault, but perhaps he's done this many times before and he wouldn't view it as assault. Who knows? 
And then right as the sexual assault is about to happen, she will be very clear Mm -hmm. and make it very obvious that she is completely sober. And it fucks these guys up. (laughs) And she does it to teach him a lesson. Right. The one thing I would like to amend in there is when you say these scumbag guys, the premise is that these are guys who think they're nice guys who are going to take care of this person. In the movie, that is how this is portrayed, that these guys are like, somebody's going to take advantage of her. I can't let that happen. That's how they portray themselves. Exactly. Yeah. That's how they are looking at themselves. It's like, I don't want that to happen to her. So I'm going to be the one to step in because I'm the nice guy. And all of a sudden, nobody's looking. Right. Mm. And like, they're in a taxi on the way to her place because he's going to drop her off. And then he's like, you know, my place is right here. Like, maybe we just go there. And she's not consenting at all. She's just not saying anything, basically, Mm -hmm. because she's fucking wasted, except not really. Say no if you don't want to go. Okay, let's go. Right. I I think the theme for me in this whole thing, and y'all are going to know that already from me, is like enthusiastic consent, not just not saying no. Silence is not consent. Correct. So, but yeah, that's the whole idea is that these are people who are thinking that they're taking care of her. Okay. It's been a year since I've seen this, but is that the case each time? There's always a guy who steps in who's like trying to be the hero, but then can't. I don't think every time. I think the beginning, yes. The beginning, yeah. And then you don't see the interactions in the bar after that first one. You just see her, like, either at the guy's place or walking out with the guy, you know. And she keeps a tally in this little book she has. And she's literally, you can tell, done this hundreds of times. So there's pretty much always someone who will bite. She's just trying to teach lessons all over the damn city. So, stopping there before we get too much further into the movie, because there is more to say. But, Tom, question for you. Asking you this as a guy first, Mm -hmm. not as a dad. Do you think this whole scheme, for lack of a better term, that she is cooked up in this movie is shitty and unfair? Or do you think that it's clever? I don't think it's shitty or unfair, but I also don't think it's clever. I think it's dangerous as hell. Like, if a woman was to do that in real life, what are the odds that you scare a guy like that and he murders you just because he's way too afraid to be outed as a a date rapist? Or you can't stop it in time to make your big point. Right. You have to literally be ready to kill the guy to get out of his apartment, which I don't think she was... No, so that's actually a point that we should make clear is she's not going into any of these situations intending to harm these people, physically harm these people. She's just trying to say, here's a fucking mirror. Look at what you're doing. Right. I would have to say you're putting yourself in like such danger because I mean, that guy's like the biggest piece of shit in the world. And who knows what they're really capable of? Because the whole premise is, look what I'm capable of doing. Look how much evil I'm capable of doing when I don't think anybody's going to find out. But now all of a sudden, oh shit, people are going to find out. How far am I willing to go to keep that from happening? But there's also that cognitive dissonance of like, they genuinely think they're the nice guy. Uh, I think it's a front. It's that lie you tell yourself until you're right at that precipice of, all right, now I'm evil. Sure. And again, it's a movie, so we have to suspend some disbelief for for the story, right? right? They had to move the story along. But yes. Your answer is interesting to me because I recall a conversation I had with another guy about this movie. And his first response was, oh, that girl's fucking nuts. If that girl is willing to go that far to deal with her trauma in that way by trying to, like, traumatize other men in turn, she's a fucked up person. That was Hmm. his reaction. Here's a thought. Why don't we set up stings to catch date rapists? That's a plausible scenario for this movie is if she somewhat undercover has backup. If it can happen that often, why not have some sort of sting set up? So are you working on your script? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. All right. Good. Getting the ball rolling Good, good. What if we go back to the original act that caused the trauma? Do you think it's different men that are in college versus grown men at a bar, like in terms of their reasoning and their understanding of what is acceptable as an adult behavior? Well, I think there are two different scenarios and there's two different things at play. I think when you're in college and that scenario that plays out in the movie, that's more like mom mentality. The guys all getting together and the worst is coming out. Let's not forget they were in med school. So they're not just like 19 year olds. And granted, it's still that sort of environment that you're talking about, but they are old enough 
to fucking know better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying that is, I think, a thing. You get too many people mm-hmm. in one situation. Mom mentality will take over. Your baser instincts will come over. The animal and man comes out, and it is horrific. Add Where, alcohol. Like, did you guys watch that new docuseries that came out, that Woodstock 99? Oh, I just saw the blurb about it on Netflix. But the I amount it. of sexual assault that occurred oh, there. Sure. It was just openly accepted. Like Are you're you talking serious? women getting molested on camera. Horrific stories. And you can tell like as it's going on, it's just like this mob mentality to where it's acceptable. It doesn't occur to anybody that what they're doing is even wrong. Yeah, that was what, 1999, right? Right. Okay. But again, hold on, I, I digress. Oh, okay, so that's one scenario. And I think that's a scenario you're gonna deal with with a group of drunk college frat guys. The other scenario that we're talking about is the drunk guy at the club. Yeah. He's on his own. He knows what he's doing. It's not mob yeah. mentality. He's just sick in the head, a pervert. Willing to do anything right. to get a piece of ass. Right. So, okay, I feel like I'm going to belabor this point, but I think that there are so many men because of where we came from culturally in the 90s and because they've been through that college mob mentality culture that think that if it's not an overt assault or some kind of like very recognizable act, that it's not a bad thing. Well, that's how we were raised in the 90s. No, I know. I don't think I know any women who have not had something at least questionable, if not outright assault happened to them. You guys grew up in the fairly same era as me, where as a woman or a girl, you're just supposed to deal with it. We're just supposed to deal with it. Not a big deal. We justify it to ourselves. We maybe blame ourselves in some way, or we rationalize it somehow. Were you raped? No? Okay, you're fine. Right. That's basically like there's a line of legal and illegal. Was it illegal? No? Then you're good. And now we have all this context and language around it that we can look back with, and it's... Horrific? It's fucking horrific. (laughs) And some like, I've been in situations that I would wouldn't have classified as assault back then, 20 years ago, but now I know actually was. But the thing is, I don't think the guy had a clue at the time either. Well, no. Right? I mean, that's just well, how that's it was how the norm. We, yeah. Maybe that's a good gateway into looking at the other or another perspective. If you are, let's say, in college, a guy drunk at a party, whatever, and you and this girl are flirting, you're both wasted and you hook up the next day you're like whoa we really fucked up last night and then let's say 12 hours later you're hearing that she's telling people that you assaulted her because you guys had sex and she didn't really consent where does that leave those guys i mean because you can't just say to a guy in college don't get drunk and go to parties and hook up with girls because they're going to do that. So are girls. Girls are going to go yeah. and hook up with a guy. So it's, I often think that while well, these issues have to be addressed, they can't be ignored, terrible things happen. If I was a guy, I would be worried as shit. Or like a mom of a college boy who doesn't know any better. He's going to go to school and drink and go to parties and hook up with chicks. But like, where is that line? Enthusiastic consent. Yeah, but at the same time, (laughs) like you're wasted at a party. They're wasted at a party. Mm -hmm. Like you're too wasted to even know if it's enthusiastic to your definition. You think they're all into it. Yep. You guys are on the same level of wasted. Mm-hmm. Whatever happens, happens. It happens it's, every fucking day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in those cases, like, they come up, but nothing ever happens. Because there's nothing that can happen. Unless, you know, there's a witness. Which, I mean, there's never a witness in the room with you. Usually not. Well, we were just talking about, this has nothing to do with the movie, but Michelle and I were just talking about yesterday the nuance of a lot of these things. Because I was telling her a story about... Many years ago, a couple that I knew, like a high school boyfriend-girlfriend situation, and the girl's parents were very strict and very conservative, just did not really want her dating. She was 17, and she had a boyfriend who was a year older than her. Parents found out about the relationship. They had been having sex. They pressed charges against him for statutory rape. 18 for 17? That's a thing? It depends on the state. Oh, yeah, right. it doesn't matter if the person did consent at a certain point, depending on state law, mm-hmm. they deem you unable to consent and they have to set that threshold somewhere. I think oh, yeah. that the bigger the age gap, the bigger the penalties in a lot of cases, but still, it's so fucked up. But he I had to register as a sex offender. Okay, so this girl is a minor. Yes. She's living under her father's house who probably told him, I do not want you seeing my daughter. Step the fuck off. He didn't. It's kind of on him. Do you think he is mature enough at that age to make that call? Hormonally, no. Okay. 
But so, he knew what he was risking. Okay. I don't think he should suffer the rest of his life, which he's gonna. Right. He is a registered sex offender now. He There's people who get caught pissing outside that are registered offenders. Right. So, yeah. so what we were talking about was that there needs to be some nuance in the system. Right. The person who, you know, indecent exposure because they're taking a leak on the sidewalk should not have the same right. label attached to them yeah, as I the mean, pedophile down the You can get your records expunged and things like that, but. But how many lot. people can afford to even do that? Like, it's that's a, a privileged thing to be able to yeah. do. The that. job that does your background check is not going to care right. about the nuances of why you're on no. the sex offender list. <laughs> you have to check that box, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I find this scenario, this 18-year-old and 17-year-old, interesting because when I was in high school, much to my parents' chagrin, I was 16 and worked with a guy who was 19, and we started dating, and we were together for two and a half years. I didn't sleep with him until I was 17, but he was 20. My parents were not thrilled about it, but would never have pressed charges against him. Ruin his life. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I do believe that there's a big fucking difference between that and some sort of non-consensual situation. If it's a fucking, like, 12-year-old, obviously, that's not okay. Well, okay, so actually, Meg, you may recognize some of these stories because you're kind of from the same area I'm from. Small town, Heartland, America. Yeah. I knew this one family. They had a older daughter. She was a freshman. What's a freshman? 13? 14? 14 usually. Usually 14. 14. Dating a senior that was 19. Mm -hmm. And they completely condoned it. They knew they were sexually active. They liked the guy. Let him sleep over. Ooh. And it just ended up being completely toxic for that girl. Yeah. And I keep in touch with this person. And to this day, they're like... I cannot believe my parents not only condoned it, but were like encouraging it. There's a lot of different walks of life when it comes to this thing. There's some parents, though, though, who think that if it's happening in their house, then they have a certain amount of control. Like I knew a lot of parents who were like that with drinking. Yeah. Like they would let their kids and their friends drink a little. If they were at their house and they were staying at their house, they knew where they were. They felt like they could manage and monitor the situation. Alcohol and weed, yes. Sex? Well, it's funny. Actually, when I was in high school, I thought when I'm a grown up, I'm going to be the cool parent that lets all the kids drink at my house. I'll just take their keys, blah, blah, blah. And like as an adult, that is the fucking (laughs) stupidest thing. Yeah. No, I'm not fucking doing that. But you have these ideas when you're younger, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think there's a big difference between a freshman and a fifth-year senior, you know, than a 17 and 18-year-old when they're both seniors. Just the kind of psychological hold a man at that age, a man, can have over a A small child. A 14-year-old, that is different. The point I'm trying to make is, like, the amount of walks of life in this country that are Mm -hmm. so completely different. Yeah. Like, I think there's still plenty of 16-year-old age of consent states here probably yeah like you can get married i want to say like 14 if your parents consent in the south like i want to say that in alabama kentucky comes to mind but (laughs) that's probably not fair well you remember that republican guy who was running for a senator or whatever that's how he married that Mm. child is because her parents consented tom do you think your opinions on some of these things would be different if you did not have a daughter no but they wouldn't be as strong Okay, fair. Like, I'm, like, extremely passionate about a lot of my beliefs that I believed it before, but now it's, like, to my core because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a, I guess, a link there. You got to save the world for her. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What kinds of things do you talk to her about having been a hormonal party boy (laughs) yourself? Honestly, nothing. Um, Not yet. I mean, you know, she's about to go into seventh grade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she hasn't been exposed to much. Luckily, she's a bit antisocial. <laughs> it helps. Um, and she's Real still studying her orientation and what she identifies as. Yeah. I don't even know. Like, today's world is so different than what I came from. I don't even know how to address it. Mm-hmm. Well, we're all trying to figure that out. Yeah. So. so since we're talking about college guys and hormones and partying and mob mentality and the dumb drunk shit they do. But they can also be fun, just saying. Wow. <laughs> That kind of stuff. Just read the room, Megan. Read the room. (laughs) When you're in college and you're partying, sometimes they do dumb things that aren't sexual in nature. Sure, that are hilarious. Absolutely. And also, like I think maybe it's important to acknowledge the fact that if you are okay with that type of lifestyle, like going out partying, hooking up, there's nothing wrong with that either. That's no, not at all. Very sex positive here. That's fine right now too in your forties. Nothing wrong with that. As long as there is what? Say it with me. 
Enthusiastic consent. Yay! This is like a schoolhouse rock, like a fucking after school special. <laughs> anyway, since we were talking about that, I want to bring it back to the movie because it has been theorized that the title of the film, Promising Young Woman, was based on what the judge in the Brock Turner case said about him. Oh, that's interesting. Tell everybody who Brock Turner is in case they don't know. So Brock Turner is the Stanford student. He was a swimmer, I believe, Yep. who was convicted of sexual assault and intent to rape, though he only served three months in jail. This is the case where Chanel Miller, who originally was known by Emily Doe, but she eventually wrote the book Know My Name, was raped next to a dumpster outside a bar. Yeah. Well, supposedly two men stopped the right. assault, but so the she judge, was basically unconscious. Right. The judge in the case referred to him as a promising young man, which is why he did not want to convict him to the fullest extent because this young man has such potential and look at the life he What's has in front of him. He is entitled and white and rich and entitled. And yep. yeah. The thing that fucking gets me about the whole promising young man narrative is that it supposes that harsh consequences for this one time, quote, one time action that this drunk college kid took could ruin the rest of his life. And it completely ignores the fact that what he did to Chanel Miller could ruin the rest of her life. So fucking what if he's a promising swimmer and a star student or whatever? He was until he raped somebody and now he he is jailbait. Except he's not. He absolutely should have been. He was banned from competitive There's swimming. There's poor well, kids and minorities oh, who are serving years for doing a fraction of that For having of weed in their pocket. Yeah, exactly. So there is a quote from an article called The Stanford Rape Case Illustrates the Toxicity of White Male Privilege by Prachi Gupta for Cosmopolitan. And it says... The rush to humanize Turner and grant him a lenient sentence is an example of a system that elevates the voices and experiences of white men and dismisses violence against women. As a young, successful white male athlete, Turner benefits from a level of compassion and empathy rarely expressed for any other group of people in America, a benefit of the doubt that people of color and women rarely get. So 100%. I was a troubled child. I spent a lot of time in court and I watched day after day, trial after trial. I'd sit in those courtrooms, all of the African-American kids and Mexican kids, any minority kids that went through, they got max sentences. Yeah. Nailed. All the white kids, minimums. Warnings. Warnings. Probations. Same thing I'm going to court for. These kids are going to court for. I'm walking away. They're going to county for a couple months. Yeah. We have a huge systemic problem. Huge. Yeah. I am hopeful that the culture around this shit is changing at least a little bit. And if for no other reason than we're talking about it. This is not something that when we were growing up, we talked about. I think that the picture that we were sold, our generation. Can I ask where you grew up? I grew up here. In Seattle? Yeah. Well, in Shoreline. I can almost guarantee... Your experience is so completely different probably. compared to like Megan's. Sure. Megan's and mine's are probably actually pretty close. I think so too. Yeah. Probably. But, you know, we had the same movies and shit. We did. The same world mentality right. of Revenge of the Nerds. Revenge <laughs> of the Nerds and fucking 16 Candles. You remember the, how many rape scenes are in Revenge of the Nerds? And, and that was like movie of the year. Everyone's laughing. All of these 80s movies have yeah. these scenes where there is a lack of communication. Not saying no because they're fucking passed out or whatever. They're not saying yes. Yes, but they're not saying no. We gotta remind Megan because this is actually gonna really be a thorn in my side. Okay. Okay, so first Revenge of the Nerds, (laughs) they put all the cameras up in the girl's house and they sit there watching the girls get naked and shower. Second one, he pretends to be the girl's boyfriend and has sex with her in the fucking moon place. And that was like, okay, everyone laughed. Those guys are so smart. Right? Right, look how clever and... They tricked them. Hilarious. And to this day, those movies are considered classics. There's a lot of really problematic shit. All the 80s movies are like that. I think about 16 Candles when, at the end, Jake Ryan passes his passed out drunk girlfriend off on Anthony Michael Hall. He literally says, do whatever you want. Do whatever you want with her. She's passed out. Yeah. Get it. I never saw that movie, honestly. And, like, the big prize was getting Molly Ringwald's underwear. Like, Mm -hmm. what in the fuck? 
Okay. And this, well, I'm not sure that's assault. No, 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 no. She <laughs> gave it willingly, I guess, but because she, she wanted something she from him too. Consented. I'm just saying, like, but this is the fucking narrative we were sold. It speaks to the climate exactly. of the era that that thing would happen in a movie, and everybody related to it so well. Yeah. So I do believe that at least for our generation and those before us, the examples that we had were fucking terrible. And so I don't think that every time there was something that we would now look at and say, that is absolutely assault, that the guy knew what the fuck they were doing. A lot of the time, not all, because there were some absolute pieces of shit who did horrible things. But I think that we were just fed this environment of allowance around that stuff that a lot of guys thought that what they were doing was okay. For me, the difference comes now when you look back at that shit and that guy can say, oh, fuck, that's fucked up. I regret that that happened. I'm sorry. Versus denying and being defensive about it, right? I think there's a big fucking difference. This goes back to the Brett Kavanaugh, Cory Booker thing we were talking about. If you are confronted with evidence or even just somebody saying, not even evidence, but like, hey, back in the day, you did this thing to me. This hurt me, whatever. And they're like, fuck you. I never did that. Versus, oh my God, I didn't realize you experienced that that way. I'm so sorry. Like there's a big fucking difference. And do you learn from that knowledge? Have you guys seen The Most Hated Man on the Internet, that Netflix docuseries? No, you told me you watched it with your daughter, and then I ended up telling my daughter about it. I'm doing IT security training tomorrow, and I'm bringing that movie up. Okay. So I was not sure if I should watch it with my daughter. Oh, 100%. But I did, and even though there was some stuff that was definitely cringy, I'm really actually glad that she watched it for two reasons. One, I hope that it drove a message to her that even if you don't send photos, videos, whatever, to anyone, they can be accessed through your device or your email or whatever. And number two, the guy who they profiled... Hunter Moore, right? Yes. God, what a piece of shit. Such fucking human garbage. I never wanted to punch somebody so bad in my life. The amount of disrespect he had, not just for women, I mean, most of it was focused towards women, but men too. His whole persona was, I'm the party boy, I'm the good time. Okay, let's get back to our movie here. In this film, it not only portrays the men who are the, quote, nice guy or whoever doing the things, but it also shows the involvement in and around and the endorsement of what has happened in this sexual assault case. Endorsement by people who observed it? People who observed it, people who it was brought to later. And the three examples specifically are the dean of the med school, She was the one who, when this woman was assaulted, she brought the allegations to the dean. Mm -hmm. A friend, or I guess classmate from the med school, a woman, who questioned whether it should have been even brought up as, quote, assault. Yeah. And then the attorney for the man in question. Right. I don't know if you guys remember specifically, since I watched it last night, I'll do a quick recap. The dean basically says that she doesn't remember, Nina is the character who was assaulted, doesn't remember her coming to her. And then when Cassie's confronting her, she's like, well, you know, it's always a case of he said, she said, this happens all the time. Like people come to her all the time saying that something happened, which is so fucked up. It's also an important tidbit about that film is I think it highlights women's role in power Mm -hmm. who really sweep these things under the rug just as bad as everybody else. How do you think they got there? Yeah. How how does anybody get there? Yeah. Uh, She's saying, like, we have to give these men the benefit of the doubt. And then it isn't until Cassie convinces her that she has put the dean's daughter into a situation where she could be the victim of something like this that the dean actually is like, okay, you're right, you're right, you're right. Where's my daughter? And she's like, oh, yeah, so it only really matters when it's somebody you love that takes that for you to track on this. That was part of the movie that I started to have a little bit of a problem with because that girl was a minor. It's like the sins of our fathers or mothers in this circumstance. Like she's not responsible for that. She was put in a situation. She wasn't though. She was never actually in danger, but she used her in that way without her enthusiastic consent or consent at all. Well, she enthusiastically consented to the lie that Cassie told her. that doesn't. 
to go to a diner and wait for a boy band named Wet Dreams. I felt uncomfortable and conflicted with that scene. I think we all did. It was an example of how she was really starting to lose patience. That's where the hero turns to the villain. Like, what you're doing is no longer righteous. Now it's just self-serving. Well, yeah. There was a quote from a Guardian article called Promising Woman Review, a deathly dark satire of gender politics. Cassie's dangerous vocation is there to make everyone in the audience feel uncomfortable indeed, to trigger a convulsion of hashtag not all men indignation, to make its audiences feel those queasy scruples about entrapment. Obviously, this movie is trying to prove a point, so they're going to extremes. Mm -hmm. So this character is not actually harming anyone. She did not put this child, and she's probably, what, 17, this kid, 16, did not put her in harm's way. Not that it's okay what she did, but she used that to get the dean, who was this kid's mother, to say, okay, fine, you're right, this is fucked up. And that did what for her? Her whole point is just showing the mirror to these people and saying, you need to fucking look at this. You need to recognize that you're complicit in this. Mm -hmm. That's the whole premise. There's another quote from a different Guardian article called What Promising Young Woman Gets Right About Sexual Assault that says, The heroine seeks merely to redress an imbalance of perception, one that in spite of huge protest movements never quite goes away. That sexual assault is excused to the point of no big deal when the victim is drunk. That promising young men matter more than promising young women. And that was the dean's whole thing was like, I can't investigate every single claim that's brought to me because these boys, I got to give them the benefit of the doubt. It's he said, she said. And boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. I'm going to take the unpopular (laughs) approach to this and say that we need to recognize that she is facing the real dilemma right there. It is a he said, she said. This is part of why we want you on. What is she supposed to do? Because she gets that every other day. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you want me to do about it? I need proof. I need something actionable. So what do we do about this? Because that's the real problem right there, right? Most rapes, most sexual assaults go unreported. And of the ones that do, for every 1,000 rapes in the U.S., 995 perpetrators go unpunished. Is that a real stat? I took statistics from the National Sexual Violence Resource Center and from RAIN, Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. It's really fucking bad. And the other statistic I have here is prevalence of false reporting for sexual assault crimes is low, between 2 and 10%. So you're not wrong. There are false reports, sure. However, for the most part, there are power dynamics at play. Mm -hmm. Typically... Men are stronger than women, and women have been conditioned, at least thus far in our lives, to think that this shit is okay, to some level. So I do believe that it is a he said, she said, but I am going to tend personally to always go with she said first. So how do we deal with that? Do do we let innocent people suffer as long as the margins are small enough? I don't necessarily think the answer lies in something we've already done no. or established. Absolutely. You know, like, Definitely not. Well, we talk about how there has to be more nuance. Like Yes. Maybe we do give women who report the respect of an investigation every time rather than saying, well, it's just a he said, she said, so we're not even going to investigate. But at the same time, I am not comfortable ruining one in every 10 guys' lives if one in every 10 is a false report. To me, that's not an acceptable consequence of making that choice to just default to accountability for everyone, regardless of the facts. So I think that there just has to be like a shift in the willingness to apply resources to investigating the allegation rather than being dismissive or too heavy handed. There has to be a willingness to have like a measured, thorough, thoughtful review of the situation and assigning accountability. How does that even happen? Maybe the only solution is we just raise better kids. Well, that would be fucking great if we all could do that. But so part of the problem for me with that scenario is like, for the sake of argument, say that every single claim is investigated to its fullest. Most of the time, it's going to come down to two people in a room. Right. And you're still going to come down to he said, she said. And what if that was your son? What if that was your daughter? Exactly. I understand. I have to rely on the statistics at this point. Can we argue the merits of mob law? Social justice. But the problem, the problem is... 
like we were talking about this dean that basically says like, well, I don't remember her. There is a friend who literally watched the video that got sent around and talked about how at this point in the movie, so she's older now, she's like, I don't know how we found it funny then. And she straight up said that Nina should not have expected people to believe her about the assault when she was known to get, quote, blackout drunk frequently. There are all these things that we say about the victim. We immediately go to what was she wearing? Was she drunk? Did she sleep around? Did she lead this person on? Right? And there's all these things that can temper the reaction to what actually happened that literally have nothing to do with what happened. She could be fucking wasted. She could have sex with every single goddamn person she's ever met. And it still wouldn't give that person the right to do something she didn't want. Right? Because it's not about like, if you're in the court of law, it's not about what laws is about what you can convince 12 people of. Unfortunately. Then we get right back to how were we raised? What was acceptable, what was not acceptable, and that's who those lawyers are getting on that jury. Well, and that's still what the narrative is, and that leads me to my third point on the people who justify and dismiss their own involvement is the attorney that was in this movie, who was the only person who Cassie went to go exact revenge on him as well. And when she got there, he said, I've been waiting for you. It's time to pay the piper. He basically was like, I was fucking horrible and complicit and I regret it all. He was the only one from back then that she ended up saying, I forgive you because he was so remorseful. Mm. Well, the rest of them were young and they weren't really willing to risk their futures. Maybe. Yeah. Taking accountability. But he lost his job because he had what he called an epiphany and they called it a psychotic break and they made him take a sabbatical. But he was saying that the firm had offered bonuses for anything settled out of court and that they hired interns to dig through victim social media to prove that they were. That's 100% correct. Absolutely. That shit fucking happens. And so you can investigate all of this. But number one, anybody around the situation could very well say, well, she did this. So she put herself in that situation. She made herself vulnerable. She did this. And therefore, it's excusable. Are you talking about just this situation in the movie or all situations? I'm talking about all situations. Okay, I disagree. Well, I'm saying that it could be said. It could be said. I'm actually with her on this one because what it comes down to in the court of law, it's just what you can prove. And it's so easy to put reasonable doubt into a jury's mind. No, that's what I'm saying. When you don't have proof other than... That's what I'm saying. Mental... Even if we investigate everything, how can we prove... So we go full circle back in the... Right. So you don't try, though? No, the only thing we can do is just raise better kids and make it a better world. The point I was trying to make earlier is going away from what happened in this movie, because obviously what happened in the movie was clearly sexual assault. And provable. Documented. And people were still turning the other cheek. Mm -hmm. But I am saying that I am a parent of two young women. If I was a parent of young men, notwithstanding my attempts, like Tom is saying, to raise better humans in the environment that we live in now, where everybody is trying to be so much more sensitive to things that are happening to women, I would be nervous for my son, who is maybe immature and has raging hormones and Mm -hmm. doing and saying things based on what they see on the internet, what they see on video. And I would be concerned that my son, who is a young adult or a young man, says or does something that's inappropriate. Somebody classifies it as assault. And, you know, we just did a whole episode on cancel culture. Mm -hmm. I mean, talk about being canceled. You could be branded for life as a sexual offender, you know? And so I just think that, again, there's nuances. This is not a situation where all women are victims all the time and all men are predators all the time. You have to be willing and able, like if you were a juror on one of these cases, you could not just immediately say, this woman is a victim, case closed. Bottom line, what it comes down to is when you're sitting in that jury room talking about it, what can you prove? And I've been in that those deliberation rooms. You're dealing with people's lives. Well, and I have a good friend who is a public defender. I think, based on conversations I've had with him, that he would enthusiastically support those comments because you are talking about trying to nail someone. And 
we're not even talking about sexual assault here necessarily, although he has those cases Mm -hmm. as well. You really have to understand that the consequence of prosecuting that individual and them being found guilty is this all does come down to the opinion of a judge or a jury, depending on if it's a bench trial or not you are forever changing that individual's life. So I'm just saying, like, it's not black and white. Never is. Certainly not. I don't want to, like, victim shame or victim blame. I'm just saying, you know, I have two daughters. And so, of course, being a female and having two daughters, I am going to think, oh, my God, I don't want them to be a victim of sexual assault. And there's all these predators out there. And statistically, it's men preying on women. I try to put myself in the shoes of a mom who's got a young adolescent son. What must they be going through and worried about and thinking about as this all evolves culturally, too? So my son is only nine. And obviously, he's not to the age where this is an issue yet. And developmentally, because he has autism, it may not get there in the same way. I think about the ways in which he doesn't understand or adhere to social norms. That led to, for example, in first grade, he wanted to go read on the couch, so he took off his pants. I'm not kidding. I do the same thing. That happened. (laughs) But I absolutely have thought about going forward, like, especially thinking about him going through puberty. I don't know what the fuck that's going to look like. Sure. I'm kind of terrified as to (laughs) how many ways he's going to uh, scare or offend people because he doesn't fucking know what he's doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We all have daughters. Sure. You guys have exclusively daughters. Obviously, we want those daughters to be safe. Mm -hmm. In the conversation around, so you have a son and what happens when that son is then accused of something... Or they get themselves into a situation where they didn't recognize what was happening and they don't know what the consequences are. I feel like at some point that is going to happen. He is going to do something or say something that will be misconstrued or maybe not misconstrued at all. Every man goes through that. Of course. But like as a parent of a son... I still feel like I have to side with the statistics and err on the side of protecting women, girls, and believing women and girls. Of course you do. Not saying that we need to just throw away the men. I just... You don't jump to his defense. You figure out what the fuck happened. I recognize this will be a scenario for me, and I still will always have so much compassion for whoever's on the other side of whatever fucking thing he did that he didn't mean to do. Well, because it's you. Or he didn't mean to do I believe you. You don't have to worry about that because you've been a good mother. Thank you. You've been affectionate. And he's not going to have violent tendencies because of your treatment towards him. But I'm trying to speak to what Megan was talking about with the young boys who don't know what they're doing or saying and how it's wrong because they're just fucking copying something they saw online or acting on a hormonal impulse or whatever in the way that you were talking about, Megan. Like, my son's going to do that shit. Right. It's going to happen. Now imagine your son or anyone's son was still learning, raging hormones, lack of maturity, making a poor choice because they're just young and dumb or whatever. And then on top of that, they're a minority. Oh, 100%. No mercy. I have to believe that you know your son's propensity for violence. But it's not just about violence. Is is he capable of violence? No, he's not violent at all. Can he hurt somebody? Yeah, he's actually quite large and doesn't know his strength. So yes, he could. The point isn't whether he intends to hurt or not. The point is that people who don't even intend to do a thing can get called out for doing that thing and then their lives can be ruined. That's what Megan was talking about. Or that they didn't do anything and a girl just says like, well, I don't like him, so I'm going to do whatever. Or I'm ashamed or embarrassed or I don't want to take any responsibility for what happened. Whatever it is, my son is going to be an easy target for that. And yes, if he was a minority, it would be even fucking easier. Uh It's not just about his propensity for violence. It is a real thing. And still... I will always <laughs> go to the... That's who you that's are who as I a am. person. Yeah. Yeah, he's got to go to bat for him. Obviously. I think we'll be all right, though. We've gone way off the rails over here, and we need to get back to the Bringing topic. it back. Bringing it back. Okay, there was one little set of quotes that I wrote down from the movie. 
Again, if you've made it this far and you haven't seen the movie, then you know what? You deserve to know the ending. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to tell it right now. So shut it off if you need to. Cassie feels as though she has kind of exacted her, uh, not revenge, but like trying to make people see the, the error of their ways. And then she's called out for it and she stops until she's informed that there is a video. And then she just fucking goes off the rails. Because until she's, then, she didn't know it was documented. She did not know there was a video. She ends up watching it. She ends up hearing that the man she's now dating in current time was a part of this. Not in the actual assault, but in the complicit friend in the room behavior. And she just fucking loses it. Mm -hmm. And she basically resigns herself to like, I'm going to do this thing. And if I die in the process, so be it. Right. So she ends up at the perpetrator's bachelor party. And when I say ends up, she manufactured that scenario. Right. She gets him into a bedroom and restrains him under the guise of being a stripper. Mm -hmm. When he finds out what's actually going on, he says, and of course, there's a million other things he says, but he says, it's every guy's worst nightmare getting accused like that. And she said, can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? And I feel like that is a very fucking poignant piece of the movie. Because while the guy is worried about losing his reputation, losing face, losing a relationship, losing his job, maybe going to jail, a woman is afraid of losing her literal life. Mm-hmm. Right. She's afraid for her literal life mm-hmm. in that scenario. Also, there's something to be said about even if she survives the attack, the mental Absolutely. aspect. Well, of- right. And that's what happened to her friend. Her, right. yeah. her friend survived the attack, but then right. ended up taking Dropped her out own of med life. school. Seven years later, took her own life. Right. Because she could not manage the day to day trauma associated with that assault. Also, men go through this in prison, right? Like there, there's men who get raped in prison that commit suicide because the mental trauma from it so it's not just because women are weak that they can't handle oh, no. mental trauma oh god no even men can't you no. know that's an interesting point because it does show that sexual assault on any gender is so traumatic that yeah, people get to a uh, point 100%. where they simply cannot live with it anymore. right right so again the whole like promising young man thing we're like we don't want to ruin his life because of one oh, misdeed it's gross, right? I didn't know mm-hmm. that's where the title of the movie came from. I didn't either. I didn't either. Well, and there's like victim blaming to the very fucking end. There are these people who committed an act and will defend themselves and say like, oh, she was drunk. Oh, I was a kid. I didn't know what was happening. And in this movie, again, spoiler, while Al, the perpetrator of the assault years ago, was literally killing Cassie, the main character. He screamed at her, this is your fucking fault. He's killing her. He's suffocating her and screams at her, this is your fucking fault. Did we mention this movie's very dark? Very dark, very (coughs) triggering. Hope you didn't make it this far and just learned that. What do you make of women who victim blame? Like women who say, you know what? It's her fault for putting herself in that situation. It's fucked up. Because I know plenty. I would say, again, I think it's part of the way that we were all raised and conditioned. We go back to Revenge of the Nerds. Absolutely. (laughs) It is. Exactly right. The popularity of that movie is kind of evidence. It speaks to it. That we all were raised to believe like this is okay. Yeah. Because otherwise, you know, it'd be socially panned. How many people's favorite movie was Sixteen Candles for years? Right. She (laughs) was drunk and passed out and given to another person. Do what you want. Do what you want with her. I suppose, really, you can step back through every decade that way. Absolutely. This has been pretty much the conversation that I thought it would be. I I bet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of different thoughts and ideas and perspectives. We were all over the place. I hope you stuck with us. Any final words of wisdom, Tom? I think if this movie and our history history teaches us anything it's we can't really rely on our systems we can't really rely on anything other than we just have to raise better kids because there is no perfect system well and if you're not somebody who has kids to raise be a force for good and change in the community around you there you go i would like for my final thought to be this quote this is an article from collider called promising young woman is designed to discomfort here's why you should sit with it as pretty young woman star Bo Burnham told our own Vinnie Mancuso, it is beyond important that cis white guys engage with the interrogations explored in this film, as we are the ones who need to look at our own community to understand and dismantle the privileges that lead to such heinous actions against women. Mic drop. Megan, any final thoughts for you? Um, 
This isn't really earth shattering, but for me, I think this, you know, really just comes down to educating our adolescent humans, like both men and women about what the potential pitfalls are as you start to engage in romantic relationships, regardless of the gender of the other individual and where you can really go wrong and get yourself in trouble. Like don't even go down this road because it could lead to this. Sometimes that's the kind of type of stuff that it takes to get through to kids who know way more than any adult they've ever met. Seriously. As with any problem, education is usually the key, but I think it has to start a lot earlier. We've watched this in our 30s and 40s. How old is old enough for a kid to watch this movie? Like 17, 16? Oh, man, I don't, I don't know. I feel like have, maybe did, did we solve it. Of course not. But this conversation is provocative because that's what this movie intended to do. Yes. And it is hard to watch and it is a little bit triggering, but or a lot. Yeah. It drives some really important conversation. Well, and I think the biggest thing we can all do all of us please all of you listening start doing this as well is fucking talk about this stuff the more we normalize the conversation around it the more we can address the fact that it's fucking not okay should we talk about this with our kids though like what age is appropriate well that's kind of a broad statement because it's like i don't think that my kids would be able to handle this particular movie not at this yet. age not yet but no, um, conversations of course yes and even like the um the most hated man on the internet what he was doing to people i, I guess you could classify it as sexual assault i mean he no, was, no, no, i guess that is absolutely sexual assault. i mean he was yeah. you know like violating them um yeah. publicly what i'm saying though is that that was content that I felt like was like, holy fuck, this is a lot, but like at a level that I thought they could handle. So I think it's exposure therapy, right? Yeah. Continuing to expose them to some of these really challenging, triggering things that provoke conversation. Okay. It has been so long. We need to fucking cut this off. <laughs> we have to all say right. all the things. Megan's going to do it tonight because I'm deciding that. Oh, fuck. Okay. Well, you <laughs> can find us on all the socials at Prosecco Theory. And if you want to give us some feedback on this or any other episode, you can email us at cheers at prosecotheory.com. You can get some lovely new merch from Tee Public. Michelle is wearing a companion quality tank top right now. And if you don't know what that means, I refer you back to episode... I can't remember. Go find it. Episode we can't remember. <laughs> Wait, it's actually called companion quality, isn't it? Oh, it's called companion quality. This place is hard. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Okay. Um, rate, review, subscribe, please. Smash uh, that subscribe button. That's right. Smash <laughs> it. Smash that. Sidebar in uh, kindergarten, my son used to. <laughs> no, 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 really. My son used to write on his work. Don't forget to leave a like. <laughs> That is awesome. I love that kid. I love that. Okay. Like, Tom, thank yo. you so much for being here. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. This is so much it? fun. I might have to open a new beer, actually. We, we can do that. Just, oh, there we I go. mean, you got to cheers that. with something. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Yay. Uh, so much fun, guys. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm.